0: Chapter Sixteen of The Heron Nest, by W. Bird Foster. This Librebox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Sixteen, The Christmas Spirit. Suddenly, a flare of light started into being some rods away. The flames leapt higher and higher, and he saw that it must proceed from a small spruce tree the inner dry branches of which had been coaxed into a blaze. Jack ran, yelling again at the top of his voice. Steady! Billy's voice came down the wind to him, seemingly as calm and unshaken as usual. Don't run about bellowing in this storm that way, Jack. We have been expecting you. We're way off the trail, I fancy. Jack could not answer. He plunged on until he reached the spot where his brother and pro Mary stood in the growing glare of the burning tree. "'You're all right! You're all right!' gasped Jack then. "'Quite, old man, but mighty glad to have you come and help us. We went about as far as we could, and I've been having the dickens of a time to start this blaze. You see, we lost the lantern.' such a storm said pearl mary then she seemed to understand something of the emotion displayed in jack's pallid face why jackie she cried you were worried weren't you and why wouldn't i be demanded jack hoarsely i thought i had lost you mary what with billy here and the girl laughed lightly the tone the words smote through the last layer of the big fellow's self-conceit the two weaklings before him had been lost yes but billy had confidence in himself and pearl mary had every belief in billy his brother always knew what to do in an emergency the setting afire of the spruce tree proved that he had not lost his self-possession whereas jack himself had quite lost his head and had expended both time and effort uselessly. "'All right, Jack,' said Billy, seeing that his brother was troubled. "'Wait until we're sure this fire won't spread. The green needles won't burn, you know. And then we'll hike for home. Are you sure you can make it? You see, I lost my bearings entirely.' "'I know the way,' said Jack firmly. And when they were ready to start, he led them unerringly down the hill, with the storm beating at their backs, until they reached the corner of the bungalow. Jack finally half-carried Pearl Mary, and Billy was glad of the aid of the big fellow's arm. But Jack did not rate the support very high. Mere muscular power he had in abundance. Billy had something better, and he realized that fact now as never before and pearl mary appreciated billy's mastery around on the south side of the house they waited to get their breath and then billy and the girl went in laughing as though they had been on a frolic instead of having been in peril of their lives jack waited outside a bit in the storm he could not trust himself within just then but he made a vow and this vow sweetened his future life and purified his nature as by fire. God helping me, I'll think no longer of myself, or of my own desire. I'll live for them both, and if I cannot share their happiness, at least I will do what I can to aid it. I'll be no dog in the manger. The family's fright, which was turned to rejoicing so quickly, really began a merry evening the relief that they all felt melted naturally into a spirit of hilarity let the storm howl and the snow pack down in drifts about the bungalow they were housed and were warm and they had each other the fact that the morrow was likely to be a very lean christmas with them did not trouble any member of the family much although belly mentioned later in the evening that they might find a vegetarian Christmas quite a novelty. "'We are going to have a plum pudding, at any rate,' declared Pearl Mary. "'I saw to that. "'I got the raisins and currants more than three weeks ago. "'And the money did not come out of the family exchequer, "'so you need not look sour, Mr. Billy Heron. "'I taught Mrs. Short how to knit Lias a comforter.' and she insisted on paying me for it see how unobservant this girl is chuckled billy she accuses me of looking sour when i was only blissfully contemplating a slice of the pudding aunt nanny just then brought in an apronful of hickory nuts and some big red apples which she had hidden away for this very occasion the hickory nuts she had herself gathered on mr short's land "'And I'm sure tomorrow will be an occasion to open a can or two of our peaches,' said Granny, smiling. Jack was suddenly started into activity. He sprang up from the floor where he had been sitting, cross-legged like a Turk or a tailor, and rushed to the door. "'Mercy me!' cried Granny. "'What does that boy hear? Surely there's nobody else out in the storm at this hour.' Jack grubbed in the snowbank beside the door, and finally brought in a bulky gunny sack, which he dumped down upon the hearth, where it began to steam at once. The family looked on in expectancy while he untied the string that held the mouth of the bag. "'It's just like Santa Claus!' cried Pearl Mary. "'You do lack whiskers, Jackie boy, but we won't be over-particular, considering that you are—' the only Santa we are likely to see this year. Jack thrust his arm into the bag and brought forth by his soberly crossed and tied legs a plump turkey. The chorused exclamations of delight and surprise encouraged the big fellow to grab again, and he produced a bag of flour. Granny hugged this, and sat with it in her arms as though it were a baby, for of late cornmeal and oatmeal had been their staple grains. A pail of lard followed, and last from this conjurer's bag came a fine bunch of plummy celery. "'We've got one big Hubbard squash,' said Granny, smiling and rocking her bag of flour. "'You children shall have a squash pie that is a squash pie anything more in that widder Cruz's oil jug of yours jack demanded billy chewing some of the blanched leaves of the celery thoughtfully i'm going to have a try at raising this stuff next year the lower part of the cove near where that spring bubbles up would be an ideal patch for celery but wherever did you get it all jack cried pearl mary "'That's telling,' was the big fellow's rather awkward reply. Billy broke in to cover his brother's confusion. "'Now don't put him on the gridiron, sis. Never look a gift horse in the mouth is a mighty good motto. You can bet Jack did not run into debt for these goodies, and he didn't steal them.' Secretly, he knew instantly what Jack had done. For several days... Billy had missed his brother's watch, the one the Baseball Nine had given him when Jack had to leave school and resign the captaincy of the team. Jack had not been wearing it for months for fear of doing it some injury while at work, and Billy suspected that the trinket had paid for the family's Christmas dinner. They had a very happy evening indeed. When they retired, the swish of the driven snow was still audible, but the wind could not rock the bungalow on its solid foundations, and the snow was heaped about it on three sides, almost to the eaves. Occasionally, a dull explosion reached their ears, at first startling Pearl Mary and Aunt Nanny, but Billy explained that the sound was due only to branches in the forest, breaking off from the weight of the snow upon them. After they were all in bed, the crooning of the wind, the sh, sh of the snow, and the dull booming of the falling trees and branches, punctuated by the snapping of the coals in the fireplace. The fire had been carefully covered with ashes. It was all Billy heard, and he lay awake for hours. The young fellow had much to make him anxious. He reviewed the year's work realizing fully how their labor had been blessed yet he could not help but feel some apprehension that the venture they had undertaken might bring them to a worse situation than that which had confronted them when they were immured in the cheap flat in town at least we had some little income then soliloquized billy pearl mary was earning and when her work at the fur shop stopped, she might have obtained a situation elsewhere. Jack could have found some kind of a job in town, if nothing more than a laborer's. I had half a day's work myself with Mr. Menden. We could have scrubbed along somehow. We did for two years. And if worse came to worst, there was always Uncle Calvert. I could beg or borrow ten dollars of him but he's got through with us now our obstinacy in coming out here into the country gave him the excuse he's desired for washing his hands of us as he calls it i suppose every tub should stand on its own bottom but without a bottom to stand on what's this tub going to do demanded billy of the silence of the night and if jack had work and could get to and from the place where the work was this weather, we would be robbing Peter to pay Paul. His time, almost every hour of it, is needed right here on this place. If we are to make our living here next year and raise enough to keep the family over the following winter, there are a thousand things to do. As we can, the land must be cleared so that we can plant it in the spring. Otherwise, what surety have we for the future?" We must work for the future with scarce a handhold on the present. There must be a way opened. If we did right in accepting Mr. Menden's offer and building this house and trying to establish ourselves here, the same overwatch that made these things possible must still bear us in mind. Billy's thought thrilled him, and he repeated one of his own aphorisms. Do the best you can, then give the Omnipotence a chance to help you. With this thought, and an unshaken faith in its truth and wisdom, he finally dropped asleep, lulled by the voice of the storm which raged about the bungalow on the hillside. No sunrise rays disturbed their sleep-held eyes that Christmas morning. As far as the herons were concerned, the sun did not rise at all windows and doors were masked in the drifts and when billy and jack came down from the loft and heaped dry wood on the half-dead coals of the fire they filled the big pot with snow from that piled before the doorway and hung it on the crane to melt as the first flames leapt about it to get water from the upland spring was impossible for although billy had carefully covered the open well with brush before the storm set in, it would be buried under yards of drift. When the womenfolk appeared, Jack fought his way through the drift at the door, and through the tunnel he made, the daylight streamed in. The snow had stopped falling. It had turned to sleet at the last, and now the keener air had frozen a crust upon the drifts that glistened like sheet silver in the sunshine, and would soon bear up a man for the temperature was falling, and the nipping of toes and fingers and ears showed how cold it was. The snow was not so very deep on the south side, the front of the bungalow, but at the back one could have walked from the roof directly upon the crust of the drift which lay there, and it was heaped far above the bedroom windows on the east end, and halfway to the top of the chimney at the other end of the house oh my poor chickens wailed pearl mary when she got out into the space the boys first cleared before the house door they will be frozen and the chicks will be starved if they are frozen they won't mind such a little thing as starvation returned billy chuckling but cheer up i'm more afraid they will be smothered under all that snow for the hen-house was merely a great mound. Jack and Mr. Heron did the bulk of the snow-shoveling, and they dug a path to the hen-house, and another to the shanty nearby which was filled with firewood, both kindling and dry logs cut to the right length for use in the fireplace. The hens and chicks were all right, and before noon Jack managed to clear a small space for them to promenade in, and get a breath of air and a little sunshine. The outlook from the door of the bungalow was very beautiful, yet the fact that they were so shut away from all the rest of the world seemed to be emphasized by the dazzling drifts. They could look across the cove and down through a part of Sowersby's place, but the Medway Road was of course out of sight, and nowhere could they see another human habitation not even the friendly smoke from a neighbor's chimney made the sight of the bungalow seem less a wilderness the beauty of the cove must be admitted but its loneliness was greater than any of the herons had realized but there wasn't one of them who accentuated this fact by either look or word the christmas spirit of sacrifice for the welfare of the others possessed them all love ruled in the log house and out of their very poverty and the makeshifts it necessitated they managed to extract merriment besides was not jack's turkey roasting in the grandest way on a spit before the fire with a huge dripping pan under the bird to catch the juices and the steam from the squash and the turnips and the beets and the parsnips and the scorned onions which even Pearl Mary had learned to eat, permeated every cranny of the house and made the boys perfectly ravenous when they came into the fire now and then for a warm. The frost snap in the air grew sharper after noonday. Jack Frost is always a giver of good appetites and should be set up in some niche as a household god for that reason. The turkey, of course, was a triumph and granny's squash pie well it left little to be desired although the pudding that followed it and which rounded out the christmas dinner was pronounced the best she had ever made they were making merry over the hickory nuts and apples when there was suddenly a shout from outside it astonished them so much that there could be any other human being in the midst of this white waste that for a moment nobody moved or spoke then Pearl Mary jumped up, as the cry was repeated, and ran to the door, flinging it open. Gee, first, pelters, drawled a relieved voice. If I didn't have the tarnelest scare of my life, I've been struggling over these blamed drifts, slipping back about two feet to every one I made ahead. Then you got here by walking backward, Lias, called Billy gaily. Come in, come in ye was all out of sight here and not a sound or a move complained mr short stamping his boots on the doorstone i begin to fear ye was all froze stiff jeffers pelters snug as a bug in a rug in here i do declare his eyes popped open wide indeed and he stood grinning in huge delight at the homely pleasant scene in the big living room now ain't you folks jest the beatenest he declared beginning to unwind the comforter that pearl mary had taught his wife to knit he had already set a big covered basket and a pail on the floor on either side of him here ye be in the wilderness without a neighbor nor no friends and mighty little but god a mighty to depend upon and ye are as jolly as griggs crying never mended the broken kettle yet lass said Billy, and I always have claimed that it's easier to make the best of a thing than to make the worst of it. But I reckon, he added slyly, that we have some neighbors and friends who haven't forgotten us. Otherwise, why have you walked clear up here over the drifts, eh? Oh, me, exclaimed Short. Mother stuffed me so at dinner that I just had to get out and walk a bit to save myself from dropping down of apoplexy. And she kinder of thought, I would better come this way, just to see if you was dug out yet. And as I was coming, I might just as well bring some things along that she could spare, just as well as not. Mr. Short's explanation might have been unending had not he thrust the basket and pail into Pearl Mary's hands. And she, of course, opened them. Her squeals of delight drowned the good fellow's awkward excuses for doing a kindly act, and he clumped over to the fireplace to warm himself and to let the snow from his boots melt on the brick hearth rather than upon Granny's clean floor. There was milk in the can. The Herons had had a little every day from the shorts when they lived at Rack and Ruin Villa, but it was too far to go for it now then there was a fine pat of butter and links of homemade sausage and a whole head cheese and some home-cured bacon and salt pork and a ham the women-folk buzzed over them in raptures and billy wrung mr short's hand with a feeling in his heart too deep for words i got news for you billy heron said the farmer in haste to change the topic of conversation from his own kind-heartedness Bob Bickham has had to go south again. His lungs is mighty weak. He went ten days ago, and his brother tells me he's already so snarled up in his book accounts that he don't know whether he's making money enough to buy an automobile or is on the quickest road to the poorhouse. So he told me, Turtelda, Billy, to come down and see him. You helped him out last year, mighty cheap. Now, you take my advice. Haggle with Tom Bickham a little. He'll stand for a good bargain if you go about it, right. If the family in the log house had been happy before, this news raised the temperatures of their joy to blood heat. And was it not in direct answer to Billy's questioning of the night? He had done his best. Now a way seemed open for them to hang on jack could not be spared from the work of preparing their own place for the next season's campaign but billy knew that the grain dealer's books would not occupy all of his time during the week the way had been opened in billy's heart at least there welled up a feeling of thankfulness that hallowed the day indeed the first christmas in the heron nest was not one likely to be forgotten by any of them There. Was an added peace in their hearts when they sought their beds that night while the white moonlight flooded the waste of frozen snow which shut in the log house on the mountain side chapter sixteen.